We're starting a new series. Uh, we've been looking at uh, the Gospel of John for a while. We, that, that series lasted a little longer than, than normally, uh, uh, but there was just so much that we're in those last three chapters of the Gospel of John. I wanted to take a little extra time, but we, we, we read the last verse last week, so we're, we're, we're through with, with that particular series. And we're going to start a new one. Now, this I don't remember. I, I know I've, I have uh, preached a, a sermon on uh, the story of Cain and, and Abel, but I don't know that I've ever done a series of sermons. It, it, for most of us, the story of Cain and Abel—it's a you know a terrible event between two brothers and and just a horrible thing, and, and and it is that. But there actually are some very important lessons that are within that entire arc of the story of of these two brothers, Cain and Abel, and so we're going to spend a, a a little while, a few Sundays, taking a look at the teaching that God gives to us from the squabbling between these two brothers, uh, Cain and Abel. The story's found in Genesis chapter 4, and uh, we're going to start there, but focusing on verses uh, 3 through 5 uh, this morning. Most of us, when we're faced with two choices, two options, two forks in the road, uh, we, we usually want to make the best one. You know, we, we, we kind of think about them and, and, and look over them and think, okay, what would be the, the best for me? Well, Cain and Abel illustrate two choices. More importantly, they illustrate two ways that we try to approach God. We know the outcome of this familiar story, but understanding what happened and why it happened is actually very important for all of us. Like all stories in the Bible, this story about these two squabbling brothers is there for a reason. And over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at the lessons learned from this unfortunate relationship between these two boys. It begins innocently enough. The Bible tells us that Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel, who when it was time, when they became old enough, they began to bring their own offerings to the Lord. We'll pick up the story here in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 4. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now, when we take a closer look at what's going on here, we're going to discover something very important for all of us to understand. Faith makes all the difference. What's going on here? Why did God look with favor on Abel's offering, but when he received Cain's offering, God was displeased? Why? Well, the answer is first found in Cain and Abel's reason for making the offering in the first place. It was the difference between serving or being served. As we're introduced to Adam and Eve's boys, we we find out that Abel kept the flocks while Cain worked the soil. That's what verse 2 there in Genesis chapter 4 tells us. Although this sounds a little bit like the old Western movies, you know, when the ranchers would get into a battle with the sodbusters, the, the farmers, and they'd be squabbling. It sounds a little bit like that, but there's really no difference in, in the, the jobs that these two boys were doing. 
there, there's no one of them that was more important than the other. There's no, but it wasn't that, that one was more important because he, he raised the, the, the grain, whereas the other one wasn't as important because he had the cows or, or the other way around. That, that wasn't the point here. Both of them were doing important things. Everybody's got to eat. And somebody's got to make the buns for the hamburgers. Both Cain and Abel's contribution to the family meal was important. It was significant. That had nothing to do with God's reaction to their offerings. There's no difference in God's eyes between an animal offering or a grain offering. Truth be told, God didn't need either one of them. God doesn't need our offerings either. Now, this is much, much different from some of the other world religions through the years and even today. When you bring your offering because God needs your offering. In the Old Testament world, it was because you had to feed your God. If you didn't feed your God, he would be weak and then your armies would be weak and you wouldn't be able to win the battle. But the one true God, not like that. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our grain. He doesn't need our animals. But we need to give them to Him. First of all, we need to recognize that everything we have, everything, whatever it might be, every good thing that we have in our life comes from God. He's the one that did it. And our offerings are a recognition That all of the blessings we enjoy, we did not obtain them on our own. God gave them to us. And that was true for Abel. Abel, the Bible tells us there in verse 4, he brought the fat portions of the firstborn of his flock. Cain, on the other hand, just bought some fruits of the soil. Abel brought Of the very best. Even before he had chosen what he would give to feed his family. Cain brought the leftovers. Abel brought his very best to give thanks to God for all that he had been given. Cain just brought something to the Lord to get this duty over with. Cain appears to be truly thankful for what the Lord had given him. And not just for the animals. Cain brings the the first fruits of his flock because he's so thankful, so grateful for all the ways that God had blessed him. He recognized just how gracious God had been to him and he wanted to acknowledge God's blessings to him and his family. Abel, on the other hand, just wanted to go through the motions. Now, to be fair, they both did bring an offering. Both, at least to some degree, acknowledged the existence of God. But Cain appears to be thanking God for serving Him. God gave him a harvest, so he says, thank you, God, very much for what you did for me. 
Abel, on the other hand. He's thankful to the Lord, but there's much more than just thank you, God, for my nice flocks. Abel acknowledges that God was not serving him, that he was God's servant. His sacrifice was not an attempt to manipulate God into giving him more. Abel recognized that he was the Lord's servant, not the other way around. That whether he was at home or out in the field, by giving his very best to the Lord, he acknowledges God's sovereignty over everything that he has. And that makes a difference. Cain treated God like a waiter at the restaurant. You know, when you're at the restaurant, waiter brings you supper. If they do a good job, you leave them a tip. And that's kind of what Cain was doing. God gave him some stuff, so yeah, I'll give God a little tip here. Let him know I'm thankful. Abel, on the other hand, saw something very different. He didn't see God as serving him. He saw himself as serving God. Like a special guest in his home, Cain wanted to give God his very best. Abel saw himself as God's servant. Cain saw himself as a customer down at the IHOP. We need to be careful in how we view God. And one way we can judge that is to take a look at our prayers. It is much easier to fall into the trap that Cain found himself in than we might want to admit. And our prayers can tell us a lot. Are your prayers filled with praise to the Lord? Or are they filled with requests of the stuff you want Him to do? Now, don't get me wrong. There is absolutely no question that God invites us. He brings us into His presence and He allows us to bring our requests before Him. To cast our cares upon the Lord, as the Bible says, because He cares for us. There's absolutely nothing wrong with with bringing our needs and, and our requests and even our desires and our hopes to the Lord in prayer. But there should not be an expectation that God owes us something. Hey, God, I did this for you. I came to church this morning. I gave my offering. So now it's time for you to do something for me. No. God is not our servant. We are His servants. We should not pray to be served. We should pray, God, thank You that You allow me to be Your Servant. Our attitude makes a big difference. We all heard it from our parents. I'm sure you did. I know I heard it from mine. And from other adults in my life as well. (laughs) You need to change that attitude. And deep down we knew they were right. We knew better. We knew that all our whining and complaining wasn't really going to change anything. And it really was kind of annoying. So we tried to have a better attitude, and sometimes that works. I actually eat my Brussels sprouts now. 
The difference in attitude between Cain and Abel was night and day. The contrast here is very, very clear when you take a look at what's going on. Cain came to fulfill an obligation. Abel came to worship. Cain came to pay his dues for the week. Abel came to truly give thanks to the God who had given him everything. Cain came because he had to. Abel came because he wanted to. The New Testament gives us some help discerning what was really going on here. 1 John 3.12 describes what went wrong, while Hebrews 11 verse 4 describes what went right. So first, let's take a look at what went wrong. 1 John 3.12 describes the difference in heart, the difference in attitude between the two brothers. There in 1 John 3.12, the Bible says, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brother's were righteous. Now, again, remember, they both did the same thing. They both brought an offering to the Lord. So, so how is, is Cain's action evil and, and Abel's action righteous? They're both doing the same thing. Well, it all boiled down to the attitude behind the actions, the reason behind the actions. Cain's was evil. He wanted God to do something for him. He was treating God worse than he would treat A servant in his field. He felt like God just owed him something. Abel, on the other hand, recognized God didn't owe him anything. That the amazing blessings that God had bestowed upon him were everything. Cain did what he did because of who he was. The problem wasn't his offering. The problem was his heart. Hebrews 11.4 puts it a little more positively. 1 John 3.12 tells us what went wrong. Hebrews 11.4 tells us what went right. There the Bible says, By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. The difference was Abel's faith. Cain brought an offering because he knew he was required to bring an offering. Abel brought an offering because he truly believed that the God of the universe was worthy of worship. One brother is remembered in infamy. The other brother is listed in Hebrews 11, that wonderful chapter of men and women of faith. Makes all the difference. Every cook knows there's one ingredient that makes the recipe. Now, sometimes that's really obvious. I mean, if you're going to make chocolate chip cookies, you kind of got to have chocolate chips. Don't sneak those raisins in there and think you're going to pass them off as chocolate chips. Not going to work. Got to be the chocolate chips or it's not a chocolate chip cookie. Peanut butter cookies. They got to have peanut butter. 
or it's not going to work. And the little fork things on the top. I don't ever know what that was all about, but got to have that peanut butter in there. It's not going to work. Sometimes it's right there in the name. Sometimes it's really obvious, but, but other times it's, it's a little less obvious. You know, that, that, that special recipe that Grandma always made, and everybody else tries to make it, and it just doesn't quite taste the same, and Grandma just smiles and says, you don't know the secret ingredient. Now, that can be essential in a recipe. It is far more significant when it comes to serving God. That one ingredient that makes all the difference is faith. What do we really believe about God? You see, all the other world religions, they they teach that the way that you get to God, the way that you get to heaven, the way that you get to salvation, the way they get to whatever they term is the thing you're trying to get to, you do that. You follow this path, you do these things, you, you, you make your way, and ultimately, if you've checked all the boxes, you finally get there. But Jesus taught something very different. Jesus taught that we can't do it ourselves. The Bible clearly tells us we're all sinners, that we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us, there's no way, no matter what we do, that we can work our way to God. So if what you believe is that I'm going to work my way to God by coming to church enough, by reading the Bible enough, by doing enough good things, you're following the path of Cain. That's what he thought. He thought, okay, if I just bring my offering today, God will be good to me. He'll owe me something. Cain thought he could work his way into God's favor. Abel, on the other hand, illustrates what we need to understand, what we need to know. But ultimately, that's revealed in the New Testament only through what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. Only through his death on the cross and his resurrection can we be made right with God. So when we come to church, when we read the Bible, when we do good things, and all those are good things to do. There's nothing wrong with them. We should be doing them. But we're not doing them in order to make ourselves right with God. We're not doing them so that God will owe us something. We are doing them because we recognize Jesus Christ gave everything for us. And it makes all the difference. When we give our offerings, when we worship, when we serve, it's not because of what we gain. It's because of who we know. He makes all the difference. Heavenly Father, The story of Cain and Abel is a familiar one, and yet it's a little more familiar than we want it to be. Because if we look a little closer at what is happening in Cain's life and Abel's life, uh, sometimes we see ourselves a little bit more on Cain's side than on Abel's side. Lord, guard our hearts from ever just going through the motions. 
And oh Lord, forgive us if we ever think You owe us something. We owe You everything. So God, we pray this morning that You would help us to recognize You and You alone are God. And we owe everything to You. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life today. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and, and suddenly, as we've talked about this passage, something's just become much more clear to you than it ever has been. Because you, you've been wondering in the back of your mind, how do I make myself right with God? I, I want to be that. I know I need to be right with God. How do I do that? And maybe you even came this morning thinking, well, maybe if I go to church, that will that'll bring me one step closer. Maybe that will help me out. And all of a sudden, as you've listened to the story about these two brothers, you've realized, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can't do anything. And you're right. That is the sad truth. None of us in this room or outside of this room, none of us can make ourselves right with God, no matter what we do. Because you see, the goal is not to just be good enough, not to just you know clear the bar just a little bit so that you you know you just kind of limp into heaven. That's not the goal. The goal in the Bible is the glory of God to be as good as God is, and there is not a single one of us that can do that. And suddenly you've realized that you've, you've said, you know, no matter what I do, I can't make my life right with God. What do I do? Here's the good news. Jesus has already done it for you. Isn't that amazing? He's already done it for you. When He died on the cross, He paid the price in full for all of your sin. Completely. And when He rose from the grave, He proved that He and He alone has eternal life to give to you. And all you have to do, all you have to do is just by faith receive Him as your Lord and Savior. You say, it can't be that easy. There's got to be some list that I've got to do. There's got to be some stuff that I've got to do. There's got No. <laughs> all you have to do is receive His grace. And then something amazing happens. <laughs> all of a sudden, coming to church isn't just a duty that you've got to do every week. It's something you want to do. You can't wait to be there to worship the Lord that has given you so much. Giving your offering, it's not something you just, oh, I'm kind of trying to pry out of your wallet. No, you're excited to be able to say thank you to God for all that He has done for you. Going to Sunday school, teaching a Sunday school class, working with children, working with youth, being a part of our blessing box ministry, all those wonderful things. All of a sudden, it's not a drudgery anymore. It's not something that you're just, just having to make yourself do. All of a sudden, it's something you can't wait to be a part of. Because you've discovered what Abel discovered. God has blessed us in such abundance. We can't wait to serve Him. And you may be thinking, could that be possible for me? It is. And we want to help you this morning. Now, we have a couple of ways that you can do that. If you're here today and you're, think, you're thinking, you know, boy, that's what I need in my life. 
I need Jesus. I'm going to be here at the front of the auditorium. You can come down here and I'll just sit here and pray with you this morning. We'll talk about what it means to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. It's so simple. It seems like it's not fair. And the reality is it's not fair. But the amazing thing is if we just receive him, he forgives us. He cleanses us. He makes us brand new. And I'll share that with you this morning. I know that it's still kind of COVID is out there and a lot of folks are a little bit squeamish about doing the face-to-face thing. I don't mind. You won't hurt my feelings. We've made another way for you. If you're just not quite ready to you know, sit down face-to-face with somebody, there in the pew racks before you, there's a, a card. It says connection card. Just pull that out. Give me a way that I can contact you, your address, phone number, email, wh- whatever you feel comfortable with. And then there's a box you can check. This says, I want to follow Jesus, so you can write it on the card. And as you leave this morning, you can just drop it in one of the baskets at the doors. I'll be glad to contact you this week. And by phone, or whatever way you give me for contact, I'll share that information with you, how you can know Jesus Christ. If you're watching us online, you can do the same thing. We have a digital version of that same connection card. It's there on our webpage. Our webpage is nationalheights.org. The link is hello. You'll find that link. If you're watching us on Facebook, that link is there. Just follow that link. Or if you're watching us on our webpage, it's just below the video where you're uh, watching. You'll find the link there, nationalheights.org, hello, and just follow that link. You'll find a place where you can leave me a way that I can contact you, and then you can either just Check one of the boxes or there's a text box where you can write in. I want to know how to follow Jesus. Maybe there's another way that God's speaking with you this morning. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you're just trying to find a place. You already know the Lord and you're following him and you're excited about being a part of what God's doing. And God's led you here to be a part of National Heights. And you want to know a little more about how you can do that. You can either come forward this morning or again on that connection card or the digital form. There's a place where you can indicate, hey, I want to know more about being a part of National Heights Ministries. There may be other decisions that God is leading in your life. Or, or maybe you have a prayer request, something that's really burdening your heart, and you would appreciate some other believers praying with you. Uh, on the reverse side of that connection card, there's a place where you can write down a prayer request. Or on the digital form, it's right at the very bottom. You can type in uh, a prayer request, and we would be honored to be praying with you in this coming week. Whatever way God is leading you this morning, you listen, responding to his call as we stand together and as we sing.